lot of gaps there. And, um, you know, as you both mentioned that you're living uh, with family um, and that employee or sorry, employment options are limited. As a result of that, how much is, is loneliness a factor for each of you? I know for me, I, I mean, I struggle with loneliness. And ever since I've moved into this apartment a few years ago, you know, I haven't talked to anyone regularly with the exception of, you know, you as my, um, as my psychiatrist and therapist and, you know, my mom. And those are the only two people I talk to, you know, you know, regularly, you know, I don't talk to anyone else. So as a result, you know, I don't really have any friends on social media, you know, and I don't really consider social media friend, friends in the true sense anyways, because, you know, if I haven't met them in person, then, you know, I really don't know them from Adam. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so yeah, I'm lonely. I have only the most things I speak to, you know, it's like I said, you, my mom, my dog, and my cat. And it, you know, it gets really, really lonely, really, really quick. <laughs> That's a big factor. Like How about you? Absolutely. How about for you, Clay? Well, I would say um, I do have uh, my brother who still lives at home. Um, and I have a friend that I play with online on gaming in the UK. But again, that's about it. I, I don't have any, uh, as they would say, IRL friends people I, I go and actually see in the real world. And I don't have any social media at all. And uh, I don't know. But in terms of loneliness, yeah, obviously, if you don't, if, the, if all you got is the, the one guy in the UK, which, you know, you can't always play with him anyway, because time difference is five hours. So right. it's pretty, pretty drastic. Now our schedules line up a little bit to where that's not, that is feasible, but not, you know, I can't get on like late at night when I come home because it's going to be like three in the morning for him. He should be asleep. It's not always asleep, but he should be asleep. Yeah. And to go, you know, back to what Clay said, I mean, you know, I, you know, I really, I feel like I probably wouldn't even have Facebook if it wasn't for the marketplace because I like to get stuff for sale. And unfortunately to access the marketplace, because it seems like a lot of things have shifted from, Craigslist to Facebook and it seems like you know you know if that's the only reason why I keep it because of the marketplace I mean but I feel like social media as a whole has done more harm to society than good <laughs> it's definitely up for debate you know I'm beyond that philosophical thing I just don't like it personally so you know whatever harm or benefit it does it's just uh, too much effort for not enough payout for me. Yeah. So the upshot is that we've, we've got 50,000 adults in the United States um, or 50,000 children in the United States who become adults every year who have autism. And so there's just a huge number of individuals out there who need support and who are combating things like loneliness, uh, things like the struggle for independence. Um, I think there's also an internal pressure. Do you guys feel pressure like to get out there and, and make money? Sure. Um, well, you gotta, you gotta think uh, a lot of us are again, like, like we said, uh, relying on our parents for financial security. They are older than us though. And so they're not 
here forever. Nobody is, but they're they're if the world is working the way it should be, they should be probably gone before we are, unless we're making some very bad choices for our health. Yeah. So, yeah, no, you gotta you gotta worry about some some way to generate money or to at least set it up so you set up trust or whatever else so that you can have some kind of. Uh, I know I my my folks are talking about setting up some kind of something that I can draw from in times of emergency. But you know the that emergency parachute is just that's not gonna that's not something that you can coast the rest of your life. And that's something to where like. Uh, if something happens to me and I lose a job and I need, you know, some time to get back on my feet, I have that reserve that I don't, you know, just lose everything because of that. Yeah. Is that something y'all worry about? Like what will happen when the parents pass on? Well, oh, yeah, definitely for me because, um, you know, I mean, cause my mom don't have that much money and, um, you know, and I know she's got life insurance, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's like Clay said, you have to find a way to, um, to support yourself because that's not, you know, what money that is. And, you know, that's not long term. And, you know, my mom's wanting to buy a house, so I would have to pay property taxes on said house, you know, and, right. and everything else. And so, yeah, I worry about that because, you know, I want to be independent because, you know, I don't want to be – I don't want to be homeless and, you know – because, mm-hmm. you know, I just, so yeah, that's, I, I worry about that every day. <laughs> yeah. So for our audience, just imagine that you leave childhood, you enter adulthood, it's a struggle. And in the long term, you've got this huge anxiety or, or stressor kind of bearing down on us about what's going to happen when the parents pass on. You know, it's not something pleasant to think about, but it's very much in the back of our minds or even the front of our minds. And it's, it's a very stressful place to be. Um, in terms of, you know, independence and living situations, um, let's say that you guys were able to move out and, and live outside your family's homes. Um, what about a roommate? Like, what kind of challenges would having a roommate pose to you? Aside from the obvious social implications that uh, people on the spectrum are not as good at forging and maintaining uh, relationships. Uh, you also got to think that, uh, I mean, is this somebody that you've screened and you've chosen? Is this somebody that um, is understanding of what you have? Is this somebody who's also on the spectrum? Cause that presents it's a whole host of other problems of do your eccentricities trigger their eccentricities do you you have that like feeding off of each other like i if you've ever done a group with like other people on the spectrum you know there's always that one person in the group that just every little mannerism that they have triggers you a little bit (laughs) it's nothing personal it's nothing against them it's just the way that you are, are miswired, because usually it's the way people are wired, but for people on the spectrum, it's the way you are miswired directly contradicts with the way that they are slightly miswired uh-huh. and just creates this friction. Um, if you're talking about a neurotypical person, yeah, you got to wonder, like, um, maybe they have some sort of appliance or something that causes a sensory issue. 
Right. Um, are they going to be understanding? Are they going to, are they, so like say their hairdryer has this particular wine to it and it really gets on your nerves really, really, uh, are they going to be like, oh, just grow up? Or are they going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I don't really have anything else right now. Maybe we'll buy a new one. Right. So you got to worry about stuff like that. You got to worry about um, what you might do. So for me, uh, maybe I don't keep my, because I keep like enough, cleanliness to find what I need to find. Um, but I definitely have times where, you know, mom peeks in the door and it's like, yeah, <laughs> clean that. Yeah. And so, uh, I got to worry about, you know, if, if they're, if they need a certain space cleaned and a lot of times if this person say this person's even submissive, say this, they're more of a submissive personality. They, they don't like to, point things out and they just kind of internalize and internalize until they, you know, just can't take any. Now, if you have that kind of personality with a, a gripe, that's something that you do on the regs, their little subtle hints that they're going to be dropping, that they don't like what you're doing, are going to go right over your head because you don't pick up on those subtle social cues. Yeah. So, their little hints that they're dropping that you need to do the dishes more often might go completely over your head until you have reached this boiling point. And then they're mad because they don't understand why you're so dense <laughs> and you're mad because you have no idea what they're on about. Exactly. And so it's the little things like that. There's just a lot of nuances to, um, I mean, I'm sure all of us have had like lab partners or project partners we haven't gotten along with that were, you know, assigned to us. Mm -hmm. Well, think that, but like times 10 to 100 because you're living with the person. You have right. so much more contact with that person. Exactly. For me, um, you know, it's, um, it's um, you know, because like I said, I live in an apartment, you know, um, when I'm feeling really down, you know, mentally, there's times when I just don't want to be around people. And if you mm. got a roommate, you know, <laughs> that's not a possibility. <laughs> Unless you got like the separate bedrooms. Yeah. But then of course that's going to take your, your rent price up. So are you going to be able to spring for the rent to give you yourself the space that you need? Or are you going to have to a lot of communal space, which like you said, is is difficult if you're in a funk and you just don't want to be around people. You either have to have a roommate who's understanding of that or you have to have like a little bedroom that you can just kind of fall back into and just uh, decompress and do whatever coping mechanism you need to to get out of your funk, whether that's uh, some deep breathing or just going on and playing a game for a little bit, watching a, something on on a streaming service, reading a book, whatever you need to do to, to help yourself move forward. You got to have the, the space or the understanding to that yeah. and, and in the end that's why I don't think I could live on my I mean that's why I don't think I could have a roommate to be honest with you because to me I'm so anal and so and so um, I like things so much a certain way it comes across as controlling mm. and um, you know when it when it doesn't go according to plan or something you know I just it just irks me and um, so I'll be passive aggressive until I just can't take it no more. <laughs> right. And I think that we're starting to see an accumulation of the challenges here. So we've already, you know, just to go review what we've talked about, we talked about 
you know, how college may be challenging, um, how living outside of the family's house may be challenging, not only for financial reasons, but also for emotional reasons um, related to symptoms of autism so that each time you, you know, take a person, an adult with autism, and give them a roommate, there's a very intense kind of chemical reaction. You know, like I think of it like if you dropped an Alka-Seltzer in, in water, you're gonna see a lot of friction maybe, a lot of reaction there, an adjustment that needs to take place in order for that, you know, those two roommates to be compatible. And that's true of anybody, you know, walking the face of the earth, you know, two roommates, it's always, there are always gonna be issues, but you know, sometimes for adults with autism, the, those issues, the friction between roommates can just be so overwhelming that it's actually better some cases not to have a roommate because of the emotional toll it would take. So th this is a really tough spot to be in, isn't it guys? Yep. It is. Cause I mean, you know, it's like I've said before, you know, when it comes to me personally, I feel like I'm my own worst enemy on a lot of things. You know, <laughs> when it comes to, um, this is Joshua Miller at the Autism News Network. If you like this video, please like and subscribe, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.